0: Here we our episode number 45
1: 45 happy to be alive yes yeah.
0: five away from 50 that's scary
1: i know which i mean life begins at 50.
0: it does does it now
1: <laughs> it does yeah that's it
0: that is good to know <laughs> that is good to know
1: yeah how have you bleeding been
0: I've been good. It's been quite the week. I mm. can I can say it's also been a very long time since we've actually, because we recorded last week's episode, in advance. So it has been yeah. a little while since I've seen. <laughs> I've seen you yeah,
1: before. I mean, I've seen you. In the grand scheme um, of things, it's still probably like about a week and a half, just. Yeah, but it's been,
0: it's been a wee while. But yeah, it's been quite the week because I was back at the Theatre Royal at the wood weekend. Wood. Which Mm -hmm. was blinking weird, let me tell you. (laughs) It was very bizarre being back in a theatre. But do you know what? It was lovely being in the auditorium again. And there was one point when I was in earlier in the day and I, I snuck away and popped in the auditorium door code. And just went and stood at the back of the balcony because I hadn't seen the auditorium since March last year.
1: Yeah, I mean, it has
0: been a while. It was a very long time, so I just sat there, said a wee hello to Nora, and a wee wave to the old gent downstairs. Although, mm-hmm. if he appeared, I would have, would have fell Passed over. Out. Passed out, it's yeah. quite scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and just said a general hello to all the, the wee ghosties who are probably like, oh no, it's this lot again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, back at all back at uh, this old chestnut.
0: Exactly. They're probably like, it's quiet. It was quiet up until this point, And now you're back to disrupt us. But anyway... Um, Surely not. I like to think that Nora was quite happy to see people again. She's yeah, well she lives nice to lady. perform.
1: She lives to perform. Absolutely.
0: So that was nice. I got some new clothes, right? So I found a new shop. It's not, I found a new vintage-inspired type shop, but some of their clothes are quite sort of gothic and quite Ooh. like alternative which is like and they're quite victorian looking so it's very much up my street I'm and it. i bought i bought a skirt which might be the best piece of clothing i've ever bought in my life
1: <laughs> i cannot wait to see what it looks like
0: well let's just say that i am going to be living my best beetlejuice life in this skirt
1: Ooh, is it and, oh. as in the black outfit or the red outfit
0: it's like black and white stripes but oh. in like a 1950s high-waisted skirt it's so glorious i saw it online i saw it on their website they have it's like a, they have a little range at the minute that's inspired by Beetlejuice i think cuz it's like coming up to halloween mm. and the skirt was called the juno skirt and for those of you who know the film well you'll know which character that is and i was like i need this skirt in my life (laughs) because i just love it and it came and every single time i look at it it just makes me smile
1: that's nice
0: so that's that was nice too that gave me a bit of serotonin for the week but that's been largely it kind of back into a working routine now which is very very (laughs) bizarre Hey, it has yeah, to start again at some
1: point. It is very, very odd. I When I first went back to work at the escape room, it was very jarring, but I kind of, you get used to it quite quickly. Yeah. Where I initially was like, oh, I don't want to be here. And then I would look forward to working.
0: Yeah. I'm not yet back that's at the
1: theatre. For those of you who don't know, I'm not yet back at the theatre because um, I just don't feel quite ready to be back at the theatre. And that that's perfectly um, acceptable. Accommodations have been made so I will just continue to work at the escape room for the next little while but uh, I have that as yeah. an option, which is lovely
0: which is delightful and I'm very pleased that you do but we must get on to the chat of the week because pals, Sunday was quite a big day you hit quite I a big milestone didn't I you dear to <laughs>
1: me. yeah it was um, let me tell you I feel like the crisis I had at 25 is bigger than the crisis I had on Sunday for the 30th. But I do very much feel like I'm not 30 and that I am still in my 20s. And I will probably live by that rule until people tell me I can no longer get away with it.
0: I think that's absolutely fair.
1: I can understand why people lie about their age. And I don't think it's necessarily to do with... Not wanting to be old for me, it's just I don't want people to think I have to be mature.
0: No, that's fair. That's fair. Generally, yeah, yeah, because yeah, there is this kind of like presumption that mm-hmm. people that are thirty have their lives sorted and pulled together, and that be not the case. For not a for a lot of, a lot
1: of, of <laughs> for a lot of millennials, indeed. <laughs>
0: exactly. Yes. Um. So t- now, of course, because you posted it on the. Paige, you went on a little road trip.
1: I did. We So, Mrs Matthew Jones and I decided we wanted to take five or six days to kind of celebrate our birthday in the lead up to it. So, we went up north, up the west coast, to a little hotel in a place called Kyle of Lochalsh, which... I don't know if you've heard of it It's very nice
0: I have not <laughs> So have it's, no. just down
1: the, it's just down the road from a place called Plockton Which I think is a very cute name And Lovely. apparently a lot of very wealthy people live in Plockton Okay So we didn't stay there, we stayed in Kyle And <laughs> the, it, yes, it was just very, very nice And then we stayed there for one night only And then travelled to a location that we really, really wanted to go and see There's a couple of things that we did mm-hmm. along the way, on the way up And we were really, really keen to do all those things. But then we went up to Port Port Gnocchi, which is where my dad and my stepmom live. So we stayed with them for a couple of days. Very nice. And then we came back down the East Coast on Saturday night. And then we're home for Sunday for our actual birthday. Because I'm sure people already know this. If you're loyal listeners, Friday wasn't... No, Sunday wasn't just my birthday. It was also Mrs. Matthew Jones' birthday, because we have the same birthday. And... Uh, but we spent it with my mum And because of unforeseen circumstances My sister and my niece and my brother-in-law couldn't be there But we will see them at some point this next week or two And then on Monday we, w- we met up with Matt's mum and dad and sister We went for dinner with my mum, his family And it was just very nice We got lots of nice oh, that gifts Oh
0: delightful yeah what did you get what did you get
1: so i already mentioned that i was about i was going to get a new piano stool that was kind of my big present because it's something Uh that i can keep furniture wise that's um a nice keepsake so it's a victorian uh wooden frame of a piano stool but then it's got nice material that's been reupholstered onto it and Mm -hmm. it's kind of pink and yellows and birds and things. Literally fits in with my flat to a T. It's very in keeping. But the whole uh, frame of the thing is Victorian. We also got lots of board games.
0: Oh, yes. Of course.
1: Between us, we got seven games.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Um,
1: yes, seven board games. No dupe- <gasps> dupe- duplicates at all. <laughs>
0: Wow, now that really genuinely is quite impressive.
1: Quite impressive.
0: What, what, have you played any yet?
1: Yes. So I've played one with Matt twice called Horrified, which is one of the ones that he got me, and it was very good. We played one that my mum got him, which is called Brain Fart, which is very much like Stop the Bus. Do you know Stop the Bus?
0: <gasps> you I know don't the name, know Stop but I can't Bus. remember what, I know I do, but I can't remember what it is.
1: So you have topics, like boy's name, girl's uh-huh. name, those are like traditional ones, not very yes. in keeping with the 2021 um, mindset. But no, traditionally, we would do boys, girls, <laughs> boys' names, girls' names, food, country, and something else. Something like that. And someone will go through the alphabet in their brain, and then when they, sit, when they get told to stop the bus, they say what letter it is, and then you've got ah, to race to see who can fill each yes. category. But with this, yes. there's nine dice, dice, die, dice, dice. I never remember which one's the <laughs> plural and which one's the singular. Dice. And you roll all of those and that gives you the top. That gives you your topics.
0: Oh, that's cool. So the topics cool. change every
1: round. So it's essentially like stop the bus, but just slightly more um, gets shaken up every the, round.
0: The stakes are higher.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But yeah, I've got lots of really nice things. Uh, my dad did a painting for me, which is stunning. oh. But overall, excellent, excellent times. I won't tell you too much about what we did and what we saw because it's a part of my story. I was going to say
0: that. We're going to hear about this later on.
1: Yes, it'll come up.
0: Fantastic. I'm so excited. Let's crack on with Mrs. do. Oh, God, this is going to require thought. Oh, no. Okay.
1: okay we're going with it
0: we're going with it we're going we're going with it what is a film you're embarrassed to say you haven't seen
1: interesting so hmm, there's some films i feel like people would expect me to have seen okay either because of my interests or because of the fact i am an actor so there so there's some films that people always always say oh well it's like a masterclass in acting if you haven't seen it you're lame. So I would only be embarrassed by those. Generally, I'm not embarrassed by a lot. Okay. Because as a general rule, I like to live my life with no guilty pleasures. I have no guilty pleasures at all. Because I yeah. feel like if you take joy in something, joy is can be rare for some people so people should never feel embarrassed about what they love regardless of how stupid they think it makes them look i think everyone should fully embrace everything they consider a guilty pleasure just make it a pleasure don't feel guilty about it fair enough relish in the joy
0: thank you for coming to our ted talk
1: (laughs) yeah thank you so much i feel really passionate about that i do genuinely
0: no that's a really good point actually i really like that yeah yeah yeah
1: so actually coming up with something I'm embarrassed about is quite tricky. So if I do think about it in the sense that actors would be like, why have you not seen that movie? Um, okay. I haven't seen The Matrix.
0: I'm with you on that. Okay. I'm hopefully, I can't really think of any, so hopefully you will give me some and I might be able to agree with them.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. I haven't seen Silence of the Lambs.
0: Okay. Now that is
1: ridiculous. Mm-hmm. See? Okay, um, it's
0: on. It's on the movie night list. It's on the movie night list. It's yes, going to
1: happen. Well, that, we need to actually write that list down because I we can't do need what's to write it.
0: that list down. Yeah.
1: Any of the Godfathers, and frankly, do not want to.
0: Interesting. From an actor standpoint, that is quite interesting. I've seen the first one.
1: The Godfather. I've seen clips of. Mm-hmm. I think Marlon Brando was a bit of an arsehole. <laughs> I tried not to say that and it came out anyway.
0: I <laughs> love <laughs> you tried to make it better, but it just I made did.
1: it worse. I know. Well, I was like, I've already said arse. I may as well commit.
0: Yeah, I think a bit of a diva.
1: Yeah, and I haven't seen him in yeah. much, to be honest. But that's another one. Um, what's it called? The one with the car. Streetcar Named Desire. Haven't seen that?
0: I've never seen that. I've never seen that. have really kind of no desire Hey. oh. Heyo! <laughs> um, heyo. Uh, sorry, it's not one of my favourite Tennessee Williams. And I find Blanche DuBois an exceptionally irritating character. Actually, I find everyone in that play irritating. Yeah. <laughs> They're just all vaguely bad people. And I don't like
1: it. So that is a few of my, from a professional standpoint, probably should have seen these movies.
0: Why do you think? Why do you say the Matrix then? I'm just intrigued.
1: I just feel like it's one of those films that everyone has seen.
0: That's fair. I there's there was one time so I feel like because the Matrix was like what early 2000s? Yeah, sure. Must have been. Yeah. Um, and I feel like early 2000s with trilogies you were either in the Matrix camp or the Lord of the Rings camp?
1: <laughs> and funnily enough, I was in neither.
0: You're in neither. Well, that's fair enough. That, have you, you seen Lord of the Rings? You say neither.
1: Though? I say neither. Well.
0: Have you seen any of the Lord of the Rings films? Two
1: of them. I've seen the first one and the second one. And I wanted to leave the second one so bad because I was bored out my face.
0: Yeah, the second one doesn't. Nothing really happens in the second one after about the halfway point.
1: (laughs) And it was in the cinema. So whenever that came out, I was probably of an age where something had to be really good for me to actually pay attention. Yeah,
0: Yeah, so you were either in one of those two camps. And I remember when I was on holiday, this is very strange, with one of my friends. The Matrix happened to be on the TV one night when we'd, like, got back to our hotel room and she tried to make me watch it but I was like, it felt way too intelligent for me. Okay. (laughs) When I was trying to watch it, I was like, the Wachowskis are exceptionally brilliant filmmakers but I'm just like, I've got no clue what is happening here and I think that's kind of the point, but... (laughs)
1: Yeah, there's probably an element of that. I just I just couldn't get on board with
0: it. So I too have never seen the Matrix and I know people call them absolute masterpieces and fair enough, but uh, I was very much happy with the Orcs and the Elves with <laughs> the Lord of the Rings films in the early 2000s. Yeah. Good answers.
1: Okay, okay. good answers. All you provided
0: right. a lot of inspiration there. Thank you very much. You very You're so much. Welcome. led to that. And I'm 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 thankful for that.
1: That's again because I don't feel any shame, and
0: that's fair enough.
1: I have been made to feel like I should be about some of those things I haven't seen, but frankly, I won't do it.
0: I think don't make it guilty should be our new mantra.
1: Yeah, don't make it guilty. Yeah, life is too short to feel bad about something you love. That's what I say.
0: Brilliant, I love it.
1: So this week we are going to take everybody on a little road
0: trip. We are.
1: Which essentially is mapping out the road trip that I have taken on my birthday week and kind of covering stories that touch upon all the places that we visited when we went up north on the first couple of days. The second part, where we were at my dad's, Not as much to actually look up on Google there. Fair enough. Very small, (laughs) it's a very small place. So things on the West Coast, we're kind of gonna touch on those. So let's begin. Matt and I, first of all, left Glasgow to head Mm -hmm. to our hotel, which was called Tingle Creek Hotel in Kyle of Loch, uh, what did I call it? (laughs) Loch Alves. Uh, I forgot what it was called. Along the way, we decided we would take a little stop at a viaduct in the west of Scotland that has become iconic because of a scene in some movies. Ooh! This is, of course, the Glenfinnan Viaduct. Ah, yes. Mm Mm-hmm. So the Glenfinnan Viaduct was built in the 1890s. It's a railroad viaduct and was the first structure in Britain to be built with mass concrete. So essentially just entirely made of concrete. It was this innovative building method that allows the overpass to remain in pretty excellent shape to this very day The viaduct was constructed under the control of Sir Robert McAlpine Who became so fond of constructing in concrete that he was given the nickname Concrete Bob <laughs> <The> cr- <laughs> Say it as it is, keep it simple yeah. <laughs> Keep it simple and Does move on as it on.
0: says in the ten?
1: Oh yes The crew built the 100 foot tall, 416 yard long bridge along an elegant curve, which lets train passengers look out the window and catch fantastic views of the other end of the train chugging along the tracks against a backdrop of beautiful Highland scenery. Despite its importance as a civil civil engineering icon and the clear beauty of its surroundings, the railway didn't gain fame until it was used in several of the Harry Potter movies. In particular, fans will notably remember the scenes featuring the viaduct, the Hogwarts Express, and Arthur Weasley's flying Ford Anglia. It's often named the Harry Potter Bridge. Which is technically not correct because it's a viaduct. (laughs) So.
0: so what would be the difference between a bridge and a viaduct?
1: It's maybe more specific. Because okay, a bridge, <laughs> I feel like, is quite vague.
0: True. It you could can do many things, a bridge.
1: Bridges can use feet. Bridge, all that yep. kind of stuff. Viaduct, we looked it up on the way because I, because we were talking about the difference between aqueducts and viaducts. And viaducts, <laughs> I think, are a means of transport. So I suppose it would also entail okay. car bridges, I don't know. Maybe not. No. Listen, I'm not a civil engineer, frankly. Don't care. But Okay. That's the... <laughs> <laughs> it's not an aqueduct, I can tell you that. That's good to know. Apparently, since its very brief role in the movies, the British Transport Police have had to put up signs to discourage trespassing following a number of near misses between the trains and Harry Potter fans. Because the overpass is still very much in use today.
0: Uh... now although
1: we didn't get to witness the train mm-hmm. going along the bridge we did take a little trip down to malague which is where the ferry is to go over to sky and as we of were course. approaching malague the train was leaving so we saw the train
0: and was it a pretty it's train
1: a very pretty steam train it's got it's got choo-choo smoke and all that
0: <gasps> choo-choo smoke so it's a yeah. real deal Oh, yes. Nice.
1: Um, we only noticed it because Matt was like, is it a fire? That fire is very weird. It's a weird looking fire. And as we got closer, we realised it was a train. Um, so we had a brief panic about fires. Oh, my God. Uh, so the diesel powered West Highland Line frequently runs across it. There are regular steam hauled excursions available in the summer. The iconic Jacobite, which is the name of the train, runs mm-hmm. across the viaduct to Fort William and Malague. The train may pause at the viaduct if time permits, which allows the visitors uh, down on the kind of, there's a big car park and there's a visitor centre. If you're there, you might get to see the train actually passing over the viaduct. Now, if you're facing the viaduct and do a quick 180 to look over the beautiful Loch Shiel, you will see the loch, which is a fresh water loch and stretches 28 kilometres. So quite long. It's quite a long loch. It is a special protection area due to the wildlife that finds themselves inhabiting the area, in forms of ducks, golden eagles, and various fish, including the fascinating-sounding brown trout.
0: Ooh. Oh yes,
1: I have no more information about the brown trout. It sounds like the most <laughs> boring fish ever.
0: It does a bit.
1: Yes, golden eagles, on the other hand, solid gold, twenty-four carats. Excellent. In eighteen forty two, during the Highland Clearances, when tenants were clear, tenants were cleared off the land to make way for sheep farming, the women of Loch Shiel apparently drove off the eviction party. They were armed with shearing hooks and aprons filled with stones. And they said, Not today, Sonny Jim, and chased them all off.
0: Oh brilliant. We love loved it. that.
1: Now, at the banks of Loch Shiel stands a towering monument with a lone highlander atop. This monument commemorates the beginning of a historical event that you have previously covered. Yes, yes, back in episode 13, you did some myth-busting on the Battle of Culloden. But before that battle took place, some of those involved met at the banks of Loch Shiel. Luckily, none of them were fans of Harry Potter movies because they were about 200 years too early to get to see the Hogwarts Express in action.
0: Fair enough.
1: <laughs> Bonnie Prince Charlie landed from France on Eris Cay- It might be Eris Key in the Western Isles. I haven't actually checked the pronunciation. That's fair. Travelling to the mainland in a small rowing boat landing just west of Glenfinnan. Upon stepping foot on the Scottish mainland, he was met by a small number of McDonalds, so even back then the food chain was popping.
0: Oh, that's good. He had a quick, he had a trip. He, needed he to did. Big Mac. He was going Come to have on. some
1: fries and a Big Mac and a wee McFlurry. BPC <laughs> waited at Glenfinnan as more McDonalds, Camerons, McFees, and McDonalds arrived. On the 19th of August, 1745, after assessing the situation and deciding that he had enough military support, Charlie climbed the hill near Glenfinnan. The young pretender announced to the supporting clans he claimed the British clone, (laughs) ha ha ha, the British throne, in the name of his father James Stuart. The word clan popped into my head, so that's why I said clone. A McPhee was one of two pipers with Bonnie Prince Charlie as he raised his banner above Glenfinnan. After screaming that he was claiming the throne, probably because he didn't have a megaphone, they all celebrated by sharing drams of brandy.
0: Aww.
1: Eight months later, the Jacobite claim to the throne ended in failure at the Battle of Culloden.
0: Yeah, was not a fun time for anybody involved. No, 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 no.
1: Big Bonny Boy returned to the area after Culloden during his flight to evade the government troopers of Prince William, Duke of Cumberland. After taking refuge with, with loyal supporters, he boarded a French frigate on the shores close to where he landed and raised his standard the previous year. The young pretender died in Rome in 1788 without setting foot on Scottish soil again. Since 1946, the Glenfinnan Gathering has met on the Saturday closest to the 19th of August, with the aim to recreate the rallying atmosphere of that day in 1745. These Highland Games host traditional events such as piping and dance competitions, races and heavy events with arts and craft stalls. The competitors don the traditional Scottish garb of kilts, sporans, and booze. Because that is a part of the outfit. It
0: is. Mm-hmm.
1: The Jacobite Rebellion is probably one of Scotland's more well-known historical battles. The Glenfinnan Monument and Visitor Centre commemorates the clansmen who fought and died in support of Bonnie Prince Charlie. This is the perfect place to pay tribute to the lone, kilted Highlander who stands on top of the monument. Mrs Matthew Jones and I, at this point, hopped back in our car and continued our journey to the Tingle Creek Hotel in Kyle of Loch Alsh. But to get there, we had to go via one of the most beautiful places I have ever seen in my life, which I believe you are going to talk us through now. I have one interesting thing to tell you about okay. the hotel. I mean, the hotel was beautiful. So nice. Was it haunted? No. But okay. But wild coincidence. So all of the rooms in this hotel, and I think there were 12 rooms, maybe? They, they okay. all had a name. And outside all the rooms there were little framed bits of tartan and then it had information Mm -hmm. about that clan you will never never believe that the tartan outside our door was the Macpherson tartan which is my tartan (gasps) it was meant to be all the rooms and all the tartans (gasps) it wasn't booked under my name so they didn't think there's a MacLeish we'll put him with Macpherson that is brilliant Oh, so, well
0: done universe Nailing universe. it Nailing Killing it, it again
1: <laughs> Anyway, sorry, that was all I had to tell you
0: That's an excellent fact though I yes. love that
1: But um, this That's is on you book. now, Sunny Gem Take us take us through
0: As MacLeish said that Situated in the Scottish Highlands Are the majestic mountains of Glencoe And this region was carved out During the Ice Age And through volcanic explosions Mm-hmm Glencoe was actually the first place in the world where cauldron subsidence was recognised in ancient volcanic rocks. Which I believe the definition of which is the collapse of a volcanic crater due to the evacuation of a large magma chamber and marked by a ring fracture, she says. Totally knowing what any of those words mean.
1: (laughs) Sounds fascinating.
0: (laughs) Um, So the three ridges that extend north into the Glen are often referred to as the Three Sisters.
1: Sisters, sisters, never were there such devoted sisters. sorry.
0: Anyway, so (laughs) (laughs) Um, so we have the Three Sisters and a cauldron. Do we have... A little link here. Hocus, I think we bogus. need a. <laughs> exactly. It all started. Didn't start in Salem. Started in Scotland.
1: <laughs> not surprised at all. Uh,
0: so this expansive and frankly otherworldly-looking area has often provided inspiration to many artists throughout the years, and has often been used as a film location. You're not wrong. Woo-hoo. We love a link. So this area appears in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, would you believe? Yes. In 1986 fantasy film Highlander, which famously cast a French actor as a Scotsman. And Sean Connery was doing a very dodgy accent in it too.
1: Was he doing a Scottish accent?
0: Well, no, I think he's supposed to be Spanish, but it just kind of comes out vaguely (laughs) Scottish.
1: They cast it the wrong way. Maybe somebody got their headshots muddled.
0: (laughs) Maybe. But Queen did the soundtrack for it, so it's got a cracking soundtrack. Okay. A Kind of Magic and Who Wants to Live Forever came from that film. We'll take it. Other films include 1995 historical film Rob Roy and 1975's Monty Python and the Holy Grail.
1: Perfect that's another thing i've never seen
0: that's fair i've never seen it all again i've seen clips i know some of the jokes Mm i have never seen it all the way through
1: i've been told many times i should
0: yeah fair we'll add it to the list (laughs) the ever-growing list Mm -hmm. so um our old pal robert louis stevenson is also said to have based his book kidnapped on an event that occurred in the surrounding area of the mountains I'm not going to say what it is, though, because it might make the podcast one day. However, Glencoe is perhaps most famously known as the site of one of the sneakiest and most shocking murders in Scottish history. Oh, yes. And that is why we are here today, folks. Bit of background for y'all. So it's rather fair to say that a persistent element of Scottish history is the people's plight for the country's independence going as far back as the time of William Wallace and Robert the Bruce. King James the Seventh of Scotland, previous Hannah, why did you write this in Roman numerals? You're an idiot. <laughs> and <laughs> the second of England is overthrown in 1688, deposed in what is known as the Glorious Revolution. Safe to say that quite a lot of people, including a fair few Scots, are really not very happy about this Mm -hmm. so his supporters believed that a king was appointed by god and as such having divine right to rule one could not simply kick out a king these supporters create a name from themselves taking it from the latin for james jacobus you can see where this is going
1: (laughs) it's like a jigsaw piece it's all slotting together like a
0: jigsaw puzzle So the first Jacobite uprising is in 1689, and this movement did not merely start and end with Charles Edward Stuart, went back way before his time. And despite a victory at the Battle of Killicrankey, they suffer a defeat at the Battle of Duneld. At this point, all formal campaigns of uprising cease. In the March of 1690, Lord Stair, Secretary of State for Scotland, offers Jacobite chiefs £12,000, which is a massive £1.4 in today's money. Plenty. Yep. On the condition that they must swear their allegiance to the new king, who is William III, also known as William of Orange.
1: Mm-hmm. He loved Asatsuma.
0: Like a big clementine. Oh, yes. So clans who sign this oath before the 1st of January 1692 will be pardoned. Those that do not will be perceived as traitors and punished as such. The chief of the Glencoe Macdonalds, known as McLean, only hears of this news three days before the deadline on the 28th of December. Remember, they did not have iPhones in this day, pals.
1: No, they couldn't get wee ping-pings to remind them.
0: They couldn't get ping-pings. So first he travels to Fort William, discovering that he cannot take his oath there and is instead required to travel to Inverary, which is 60 miles away. Inconvenient.
1: Especially when you don't have a car. And I don't think he did.
0: Especially when you don't have a car. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Maclean is permitted to take the oath when he eventually arrives, albeit six days late, and to him it seems all is well. However, plans are already in motion to make an example of him and his people. Historically, Clan MacDonald, also known as just Donald, back in the day, and Clan Campbell had a history of feuding. So both were relatively powerful, their influence and authority ebbing and flowing throughout the years as it so often does. Both were also tied to the wars of Scottish independence. The MacDonalds had historically ruled much of the West Highlands and Hebrides and one of the chiefs had been gifted the title Lord of the Isles which is where we get, I didn't know that's where we got that from. So that was fascinating. (laughs) So Campbells were reportedly gifted what was MacDonald land at one point. There would be instances of stealing cattle as well. So the main gist of it is that there's tension between the yeah. two. Yeah. In January 1692, two companies of soldiers from the Earl of Argyles Regiment arrive in Glencoe, led by Commander Robert Campbell of Lion. As is customary Highland hospitality at the time, the soldiers are given room and board by the McDonald's. This was to be expected of the residents, but Scotland was, and is, known for its hospitality when it
1: comes to visitors. We are. That's why Macbeth. Macbeth was like, oh, we're going to give King Duncan a great time. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's... Nice to see
0: it. that went well for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but we did, We like... We We be a welcoming peoples. Yeah. So... Campbell was bankrupt and his family destitute, which is not a particularly fun state of affairs to be in. It should be noted, however, that it appears that Campbell didn't personally have any serious grievances with the McDonald's. He reportedly visited Alexander MacDonald, the chief's youngest son, as he was married to Campbell's niece. So like we said, actually on the Culloden episode, you'll find that a lot of clans were linked by either blood or marriage. That's kind of how it worked. So the McDonald's and the regiment coexist for 12 days, the former blissfully unaware of the machinations that had occurred, the reason why these soldiers were here in the first place. On the evening of the 12th of February, Campbell receives his orders, and I quote... You are hereby to fall upon the rebels, the Macdonalds of Glencoe, and put all to the sword under 70. Basically, anyone under the age of 70 is to be brutally massacred. And at 5am, the signal is given. So, the soldiers begin their attack, mercilessly killing those that had taken them into their homes and treated them like friends. The regiment systematically murdered the residents, including women and children, mm-hmm. which is horrible.
1: Also, the wild thing about the whole under seventies thing is that how many of them would there be? It's a very good question.
0: I mean, for seventeenth century, <laughs>
1: <laughs> the life expectancy was probably forty.
0: Exactly, it was probably a rarity if you got to that age. God. Yeah. So, McLean himself was killed, although his two sons did manage to make their escape and many people also made for the mountains. But a blizzard had descended in the night, rendering whiteout conditions and freezing temperatures. In fact, many of those that died was actually through exposure rather than at the end of a sword. So, in total, 38 men, women and children lost their lives in the attack. This crime was seen as heinous by the Scottish, going against everything that they, as a people, stood for. The Scottish Parliamentary Commission of Inquiry... Wow. Well done. Thank you. Um, called it, quote, murder under trust.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which is fair enough. Offering hospitality and friendship was a big way of life in the Highlands. To have been betrayed by those they took in was deemed to be horrific. Which it was. Yes. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely horrible. As with all historical events, facts and elements change as they are passed down and retold, and the Glencoe Massacre is often framed with the Campbells as the enemy. But this isn't entirely true, as their feud just happens to get tangled up in a wider scheme. Mr. S- Mr. Stair who we had spoken about previously in this Mm -hmm. story, was known to hold disdain for the Highlander way of life, believing that they should be brought in line with the way the Lowlanders did things. Allegedly, there was actually a particular dislike towards the McDonald's in the first place. So some historians argue that Stair and those involved in the machinations surrounding the massacre were in fact planning something like this anyway. McLean's late oath just gave them what they saw as good reason, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. But a fun fact for you. Stair is the son of James Dalrymple and was brother to Janet Dalrymple, whose story was fictionalised in Walter Scott's The Bride of Lammermoor. Mm-hmm. There you go. Bringing it back. Yep. So, clearly the family just weren't very nice all round then. Yeah,
1: yeah sounds about right, yeah. It doesn't
0: sound like a fun time to be part of that family. No. So, a number of the soldiers in the regiment were in fact Campbell's, and it has been suggested that they were in fact utterly disgusted with the orders that they had been given. Again, it went against everything they stood for, everything they knew, and betraying people's trust in such a brutal way And some accounts suggest That they actually warned the McDonald's About the impending attack Permitting them to make their escape It is said that the Campbell Piper Actually played a warning tune Before the beginning of the massacre And there are stories regarding soldiers That subtly warned those they lodged with That all was not well hmm One says that a Campbell soldier sitting with the family he lodged with remarked upon the plaid that one of them wore, stating quote, were this good plaid mine, I would put it on and go and look after my cattle. I would put it on my shoulders and I would take my family and my cattle to a safe place. Another says that a soldier was observed playing a game of shinty which I had never heard of. (laughs) 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 to looking this up. Um, And in striking a stone said, quote, Great stone of the Glen, great is your right to be here. But if you knew what will happen this night, you will be up and
1: away. That's very nice of them.
0: Very subtly trying to say, there's something not right here, guys. You might want to go away for an evening.
1: Yeah. All the while giving them a winky wink.
0: Absolutely. So two further companies of soldiers that were supposed to arrive to help, quote-unquote, with the massacre, didn't even turn up. Historians believe that this was deliberate on their part as they didn't want to be associated or involved with such a crime, which is understandable. Yeah. Those that fled over the hills into Campbell Land were taken in by the residents there too, so it doesn't exactly suggest that they were mortal enemies does it and although any loss of life is utterly atrocious the fact that only 38 were killed suggests that there was a reluctance to carry out the massacre at all yeah so unsurprisingly because he was rich powerful and male Stair isn't exactly held to account for his role in the massacre Yes, he was forced to resign from his post, but he'd be restored to good graces by Queen Anne in the end. Any attempts made by survivors to claim compensation, as many houses were destroyed and pillaged during the massacre, were duly ignored by the government. The event only furthered discontent towards the government and their forces in Scotland. Classic.
1: Are we talking English government at this point? It is the English gov?
0: Yeah, it would yeah. be yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Just check.
0: Um, that's fair enough. Um, so the massacre would be the subject of numerous poetic works, including *Massacre of Glenclaw* by our pal Sir Walter Scott, and works by Letitia Elizabeth Landon, Douglas Stewart, Thomas Campbell, and T. S. Eliot of *Cat's* fame.
1: Oh, who what's knew? What's he doing? That <laughs> seems a bit out of his remit. Who
0: knew? So this event is also cited to have inspired the Red Wedding sequence in George R.R. Martin novel A Storm of Swords. And his novels were adapted into TV series The Game of Thrones, or Game of Thrones. Yes. Now, I have never seen it, but even I know what The Red Wedding is.
1: (laughs) It is brutal.
0: And I can see why... You could say the Glencoe massacre was... Insp- inspiration behind that.
1: Yeah. I, I see the
0: parallels.
1: I do see the parallels myself.
0: So, the Glencoe Massacre, as remembered, is a cold-blooded attack at the hands of Clan Campbell when, in fact, it was organised and facilitated by government forces. Evidence does suggest that the Campbells did, in fact, try and save those from the Clan MacDonald. Those events would only see the continuation of the Jacobite cause, with further uprisings in 1708, 1715, 1719, and 1745. But we all know how that one ends.
1: Yeah, not good. Not good.
0: D- and yeah, spoiler, doesn't go well no. for anybody involved. No. So here you go, that's the Glencoe Massacre for you. Lovely!
1: See, now I would like to have known if I actually passed the site of all of this. Yeah. But it was a very long drive. And so we didn't stop at Glencoe <laughs> but we did drive kind of through and That's fair. There were the It was so beautiful. The thing that we kept commenting on is how the hills themselves are quite sparse. There's not an mm-hmm. awful lot on them. And so I we kept kind of saying these feel smallish until mm-hmm you realize that you've been driving for five minutes and you're still looking at the exact same hill and it's just that it's so hard to actually imagine the scale of them and they're so beautiful so having throwing on a wee sheep or something would probably help bring it bring it down and make it a little bit clearer in our minds how large these were yeah just to really kind of help with the scaling um (laughs) there was there's one other story that i've read of another soldier trying to warn the mcdonald's which involved mm. a dog. Involved a dog. Involved a dog. And that was that the soldier was sitting with the family around the fire on the 12th mm-hmm. of February and patted a dog on the floor and said, grey dog, if I were you, I would make my bed in the heather tonight. And then the soldier pretended to fall asleep and the family listened to his warning and got away. So that was another one. Another family oh. got away, but he did it via the dog.
0: Did it vibe? <laughs> yeah. See, the issue is that's such a cryptic warning. I'd be like, "What does that be, mean? What does this
1: mean? <laughs> is it going to be cold? Is it night warm outside? Exactly. Maybe I'm sitting in the heather." Um. Oh dear. And uh, yeah. also, did this is another little uh-huh. bonus fact about Glencoe. Did you know that Glencoe is Gaelic for Valley of the Weeping?
0: Oh, I didn't know that. That is
1: beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um. Yes. And it's haunted, very haunted.
0: Oh, f- I could fully believe that.
1: Which actually leads me very nicely into a story from my stepmum. Excellent. So, my stepmum back in the day used to work in that kind of part of Scotland.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And she got up really early in the morning, sometimes to drive to work. And so, she got up this morning and she was driving along and she could hear pipes coming from somewhere in Glencoe. And mm. I think she heard it a couple of times that over the course of a little period of time. And it was always around about the same time because she would travel to work at about five in the morning. Note, five in the morning.
0: That's sadistic
1: times to be Yeah, but awake. also five in the morning is when they kicked off the massacre. <gasps> yeah. Yes. Yes. And she eventually at one point said to somebody at work that I keep hearing that there's there's a piper in Glencoe and I keep I, I don't know where it's coming from but I, do, have you ever heard it when you're coming to work and they said oh no yeah no, that's the that's the ghost piper of Glencoe and so oh. Glencoe has a full-blown ghost piper
0: oh my god I love that they're so casual about
1: it yeah. <laughs> uh, and at certain stop points in the day you can hear this uh this piper playing and he's not the only thing you can hear sometimes you can also catch glimpses of a fight like a little bit like people getting killed you can kind of see it and you can hear screams in the glen um (gasps) particularly around the anniversary of the massacre
0: oh
1: oh yes that's my little bonus Glen facts.
0: They're excellent tidbits. I just have to say before we move on to your next stop that they went to Times I and said Glen Close instead of Glen Cole. <laughs>
1: you at Glenn one Cole. point did actually say Glen and I think you paused <laughs> as if to be like, did I say Glen Close? And then you did. <laughs> I
0: was literally like, that did not sound right.
1: <laughs> but you did. De- <laughs> but I think there was definitely one Glen
0: <laughs> It's late at night, people.
1: It's okay. We'll leave it in. It's charming. We'll leave
0: it in. Also, Shout out to Glenn, because she be a queen and deserves her Oscar. Just 100
1: so. percent. Get it to her quick. She should have had it Get for that role because ho- she played to her. Um, okay, so to finish off my chosen trio of locations that Matt and I visited on our trip up north, let's hop aboard my car once again and head just 10 minutes down from our hotel, to the absolutely stunning and iconic Allen Donan Castle it's one of the most photographed castles in scotland and it is stunning vaguely from
0: i pro, yeah yeah i've definitely seen it in a few like visit scotland ads
1: <laughs> yep 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 um yeah okay. okay iconic she has appeared in in outlander just oh as an fyi as has glenn finnan
0: fantastic yeah glenn finnan
1: glenn finnan is where two of the characters are meant to be from I think. Uh, I googled. I googled. Um, So, Donan is a small tidal island situated at the point of three sea lochs, Loch um, Duich, Loch Long and Loch Alsh meeting in the western highlands of Scotland. Now, I was convinced that looking at these three lochs meeting, I could see that there was like a slight, um, you could almost see it in the water that Ooh. But then Matt points out that a boat had just gone past. <laughs> so it was just the lines the boat had made.
0: Oh. Although I still
1: think it's because you can see where the locks actually meet there's a line, but yeah. Apparently it's just a boat. It is possible that an early Christian monastic cell was founded on the island in the 6th or 7th century and that it was dedicated to Donan of Igle, an Irish saint who was martyred on Igle in April. Six one seven. So very long time ago. I don't even know how to say that as a year.
0: That is very. That's a very long time ago.
1: Six seventeen. How would you say that? Six seventeen.
0: Is that how you'd say that? I don't know. Or would you just say six hundred and seventeen?
1: Well, I said six one seven. So I don't know. There's so many <laughs> options. Uh, no remains of any Christian building survive, though fragments of vitrified stone which means stone that has been been subjected to very high temperatures, have been discovered, indicating that there was, at some stage, an Iron Age or early medieval fortification on the island. Because that was kind of a classic indicator for those kinds of buildings.
0: Um, I find it crazy that people were alive at that point.
1: (laughs) I know! That was such a long time ago. That was probably just about the time of the dinosaurs. That's a joke. I know the dinosaurs were before that. (laughs) The the castle itself is famous for its appearance in many films, including The Highlander with Sean Connery.
0: Hey, there you go.
1: Yes. And of course... And The Frenchman. And The Frenchman. He was probably there. And of course, Outlander. Excellent donan Castle was originally built in the 13th century by the clans Mackenzie and Macrae to defend the area from invading Vikings who controlled most of Northern Scotland between 800 and 1266 AD. Though there is one version of this tale that is a little more supernatural.
0: <gasps> Excellent.
1: There is an old Scottish legend that any newborn child that takes their first drink from the skull of a raven will be granted a special power. One clan chief from Kintail decided to prove that this was all superstitious baloney. He used his firstborn son as the test subject and for years everything seemed to be completely normal. He didn't seem to have gained anything at all from this. Until one day, to the father's surprise, the boy was found conversing with the birds around their home in a strange language. The chief had taken great delight in proving the false legend was false. For Proving the false legend was false. And so he Excellent. couldn't just turn around to everyone now and say, oh, actually, the legend is true. That would be humiliating. humiliating. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. The relationship grew strained between the two as he tried to ignore his son's gift out of pure stubbornness. Eventually, when the screeching around the great hall was too much for the chief to handle, he demanded to know what the birds were saying. I like to think the boy was outside like Cinderella into the woods going, Ha! 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 Maybe.
0: Oh, I really hope he was.
1: The son replied that he wasn't going to like the answer Cheeky birds But still Bit ominous I know Well still the father demanded to know So the bird's message was translated for his very ears They were repeating a prophecy over and over That the day would come when the father would wait on the son in this very hall In a fit of rage, Mm. the arrogant chief cast his son out and told him to never come back, which is classic early days parenting.
0: It was in all the boots. That's Parenting 101 right there.
1: Yes. The gifted young man took a small boat and travelled to continental Europe. He used his gift to make a name for himself and was handsomely rewarded for his deeds. In France, he found the king's household in turmoil after a large and noisy flock of sparrows... I said after, I and over a large and noisy flock of sparrows. The young Scot was able to negotiate peace among the birds and in return for the peace and quiet, the King granted him a large ship with a loyal crew. Next, he discovered a castle plagued by rats, but where the birds could not help him, he gifted his ship's cat. The Lord of the castle was so thankful that the Scot sailed off with a chest of gold. Many, many, many years passed and the chief's son had become a wealthy and powerful man by the time he returned home. He was barely recognisable as the son that was once cast away. Ever eager to impress somebody of importance, the old chieftain welcomed the newcomer, serving his distinguished guest food and drink from his very own hands. The chief didn't realise that he was fulfilling the very prophecy he had been so enraged by. The news of the chief's son had spread and he was summoned to pay homage to the Scottish king. When King Alexander witnessed the wisdom his guests guests had gathered on his travels, he knew this was the perfect person to protect Kintail from the increasing Norse raids. He was commanded to build a strong fortress on Eilindonan and use his gifts in its defence, becoming the first chief of Clan Matheson. So that is a slightly more interesting version of how it came to be. In the early 14th century, Robert the Bruce was in hiding at Aylendonan Castle for a while. In 1331, Randolph Earl of Murray had 50 men executed here and had their decapitated heads put on display along the castle walls. Lovely.
0: Oh, that's a bit hard. Just get yourself some fairy lights, mate. Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. That, it's so, so much nicer, brings a lot of cheer So
0: much nicer, or, or a bit of bunting like, We love bunting,
1: come on. bunting exactly. I f- Bunting's been going on in Scotland for years If you just watch Brave, they've got those big flags hanging on the wall, big tapestries yes. That's just big fancy bunting
0: It really is, so there's really no need to be sticking no heads about the place No,
1: not at all the castle was a stronghold for the Jacobite rebellions. J- rebels. Why does it say rebellions? Oh no, rebellions. It's not. It's not about the individual people. It's about the actual rebellions. Got it. Okay. I did. I did <laughs> write this myself. The castle was a stronghold for the Jacobite rebellions during the 17th and 18th centuries. A major Jacobite uprising took place in 1715, led by the Earl of Mar. It was an attempt to restore the exiled James Stuart, the old pretender, to the throne. William Mackenzie, 5th Earl of Seaforth, joined the Jacobite army, leading out men of the clan Mackenzie and clan Macrae. The Macraes mustered at Donan and are said to have danced on the roof of the castle before setting out to the Battle of Sheriff Muir, where 58 Macraes were among the Jacobite dead. The battle was indecisive and the rising collapsed soon after. Mm. In 1719 the castle was destroyed by the English government for its role in the uprisings. The castle was being garrisoned by 46 Spanish soldiers who were in support of the Jacobites when the castle withstood heavy bombardment for three straight days leaving the castle in a state of total ruin. They also did a kind of Uh, gunpowder-plot-esque style thing where they found out where the castle was storing loads of gunpowder and they blew up. Wow! Took out a big chunk of the castle Now surprisingly, I didn't know this the castle remained in this destroyed state for more than 200 years until the island was bought by Lieutenant Colonel John McRae Gilstrap in 1911 he proceeded to rebuild Whoa. the castle over the next 20 years until it was formally compl- form- until it was completed in 1932 to its original specifications returning the castle to its former glory so the castle that i have admired and stared at in pictures for a very long time only was built in 1932 technically that's so recent i know <laughs> i know that's after the first world war <laughs> And just in the brink of number what two. The hell? So wild. <laughs> um the castle that you see today is as it would have appeared in the 17th and 18th centuries. It was completed in 1932, but it looks mm. how it would have. Yes. Now I've already mentioned that Aylandonen is an isolated island in the middle of three sea lochs. One of the lochs, Loch Duich, has its own Loch Ness like creature. Since this is a sea loch, the reptilian neck of the monster could also be the dorsal fin of a killer whale. Ooh. But nobody knows what lurks in the deep of Loch Duich. There Is it was, a dinosaur? It could be a dinosaur. It could be Nessie taking a wee trip down the way.
0: It could be that as well. She could could has. Be to, she, I mean, things. she
1: deserves a holiday. She does. She All works she hard. Does, she swims about ignoring tourists. <laughs> such um, a hard life really is uh, there is also an uh, a legend of an otter king so aylendonan castle is said to be built on top of the otter king's burial grounds that's right i'm talking Ooh. little furry brown creatures but legend says that when an otter king dies his coat made of pure silver and white gets buried on aylendonan some historians claim that Aelin Donan had nothing to do with the bishop named Donin, but that the name actually came from the Gaelic word "cù Don, which means brown dog. Could be an otter!
0: Oh, that's fascinating!
1: And I did know that Gaelic for dog is ku, Because isn't that funny? Okay. Because <laughs> you'd think Koo was a cow. But it's not, a Koo's a dog. It's not. Which and has made it spell,
0: me is, is is it spell as you say it? It's C U. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so no. So, okay.
1: Um no. I've always wanted a dog and to call it coo
0: Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Um, I enjoy
1: that. And only people who are Gaelic would get it. Who are, only Gaelic? People who are Gaelic Who, who speak <laughs> Gaelic. <laughs> wow. The embodiment <laughs> of Gaelic. That's what I mean.
0: That's fair. That's fair.
1: Uh, now there's another legend of the island and that is a legend told by sailors who believed that the island was home to mermaids and selkies selkies were able to shapeshift into humans by casting their seal-like skin with these skins they were able to return to the sea but if the seal skin is lost or stolen the creature is doomed to remain in its human form forever If a human were to find a seal skin, he or she could hold the maiden captive. And according to a local legend, three brothers went fishing on the loch one night. They spotted three selkies who had come to land, shed their skins and danced in the moonlight. The brothers instantly fell in love and decided to steal the skins, thus claiming the seal maidens as their wives. The youngest brother felt sorry for his wife because she was so very sad. Uh, that she couldn't return to the sea. She was like that. Sea is my home. Yeah. Um. So she, so he decided to give her the skin back. As a reward for his kindness, she would pay him a visit every ninth night. How nice. Oh. The middle brother's wife found her own skin and escaped back to sea. And the eldest brother tried to burn his wife's skin, but ended burning her as well accidentally oh now even though the castle has been has seen a lot of violence through the centuries a number of ghost sto- the number of ghost stories is surprisingly low there's only two one of them oh. one of them is the creepy ghost of a spanish soldier he has been seen on the spot where you might be able to pick up a pretty knick-knack today in the gift shop he is seen carrying his own head tucked under his arm We like a headless ghost. We love a headless ghost. There's also, also, there's a ghost of a lady seen in one of the bedrooms. Many claim that this is the spirit of Urpal, Mary Queen of Scots. Shut the front door. Oh, yes. Although she has been seen at many other locations, such as Stirling Castle and Borthwick Castle. So perhaps sometimes she feels like changing it up, decides, gonna hop over. She to gets about. Yes.
0: Honestly, she does she get gets out about her, Um
1: But regardless of who this woman is, there is indeed a white lady ghost up in Aelendonan. And, and that ends the road trip of a lifetime through the west of Scotchland.
0: Well, that was fascinating and brilliant.
1: Well, thanks very much for participating. It makes me want
0: to go to all of these places.
1: Honestly, it was so so stunning. We've taken lots of incredible photos, so that is probably <gasps> what I'll use for the Instas.
0: Fantastic. But it was
1: just so nice. Glenfin, like every day was roasting, so I obviously was poached. But it was yeah. so <laughs> sunny, not a cloud in the sky until we got to Portnochy. It was so nice. So. The, dri- the actual driving, because we drove, oh, it was like five and a half hours or six hours on, on the first day, about four hours the second day, and then about three and a bit hours to get home again afterwards. So wow. we drove so much, and it was just so nice though. The, the hotel we stayed in was lovely. Everyone that was there was lovely. The view was stunning, because it looked over onto what mm-hmm. they referred to as a coral beach. So it was really nice.
0: Oh. It was just so nice. Lovely. Everything about
1: it was amazing. And yeah, the whole trip was, was great. And
0: Oh, so good.
1: Donan is one of these places that Mary and I both have admired it for a very long time. Mary yeah. wanted to get married there, but logistically it just wasn't ideal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They do host weddings. They do let you do tours of the inside of the castle. <gasps> so we did that. We went in. It was a tenor and it was so nice they had nice little knickknacks and artifacts and things including i think it was five uh, cannonballs that were used to destroy it 200 wow. odd years ago or nearly 300 years ago so they were all just sitting there you could see all the, the nicks and the, the grooves of where it had been batted against rock and stuff so cool That's so cool and uh Yeah, it was just great. And there was tour guides in every room. So when you went in, they weren't tour guides, but they were kind of people in the room. So you could go up to Mm -hmm. them and ask questions if you had any questions. And it was so nice.
0: Oh, I'm so jealous.
1: And (laughs) I mean, the views were just so beautiful. I love, I've said it once and we'll say it again a million times, but Scotland is just so beautiful.
0: It is, it honestly is. It's like a mythical
1: Place. It really is. There is a reason that so many locations in Scotland were used for Harry Potter.
0: Oh, Philly. Because we also you drove. You can see why.
1: We drove past the loch that was the Great Lake.
0: Aha, uh-huh. yeah. If I, no,
1: hang on. The Great Lake. The Great Lake, I think, was Loch Shiel, which is at Glenfinnan.
0: Oh, yeah. I think. Okay. Um,
1: we passed the burial ground for Dumbledore. We went to Glenfinnan obviously, so saw the viaduct. Oh, yeah. The bits of there's just so many bits that we went past have been used in Harry Potter. And there's one hundred percent a reason for that because it is just so magical. There was heather yeah. everywhere, there was thistles everywhere. It was so nice. Um so if anybody ever did gets you the opportunity.
0: See any unicorns though?
1: Do you know I think unicorns mostly come out in the autumn, so we were just we were just on the cusp. So you're just out of season? That's just fair enough. Of, yeah. Uh we did We didn't see a lot of wildlife, actually. That was one thing we commented on at one point. uh, That It it was even quite sparse in terms of... Because it's so... Barren's the wrong word because it sounds kind of negative and gross. But it was... Uninhabited. Uninhabited. uh, So much so that there wasn't even really much in the way of sheep, even.
0: That's crazy. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: Wow.
1: We saw plenty of sheep on the way back the east coast love the sheep
0: they love the sheep yeah <laughs> um, well they were all kicked out their houses so there could be sheep
1: that's true that is true clear those highlands that,
0: exactly that's why there be an abundance of sheep now
1: yeah
0: <laughs> um did you see other people though
1: we did we saw We saw not, like, a lot of people. It wasn't particularly busy wherever we went. Aylund Mm -hmm. Donan was quite busy, but it was all very respectful and distanced and everything. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, we didn't see a heck of a lot of people. The roads were, felt somewhat quiet for a lot of it. We didn't really see many cars.
0: There's a really good documentary on BBC iPlayer. It was on recently, so it should still be on iPlayer. Called Greetings from Scotland, and it's all about the Scottish tourist industry. Okay. And the second episode is all about kind of like contemporary uh, visions of Scotland and how Scotland is marketed. And actually, they did a whole section on how I can't remember what it was. Might have been Sky. Might have been Sky. That because of the increase in second home buyers and things such as Airbnb. It actually means that local people to these islands can't actually get on the property ladder Mm -hmm. because the prices are just inflated because they're so desirable for people who have monies.
1: Isn't it always the way?
0: Yeah. So it's actually really, really fascinating when you think about it like that. Yeah. Well, it's it's just
1: frustrating. It's because... Like, we purposely didn't use Airbnb mm. because we, we were like, yeah, we could have a self-catering place or we could have somewhere that's just ourselves, mm-hmm. but we'd much rather support an actual Scottish business.
0: But yeah, that's really interesting. Just what, like, in terms of, like, your whole story, is that whole double-edged sword thing is that we rely a lot on our tourism industry, but actually in a way, tourism is also kind of killing the country. Though it is, though, because it it's really fascinating because they're even talking about that thing that I can't remember the name of. Is it oh, one of these coastal dri- like, driving like Is it
1: the North Coast 500?
0: That's it. It's actually damaging the, like, the, the roads and the yeah. land because it's not built for that many people to be going along it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Like, the sort of... There was also another person on that documentary talking about Edinburgh is turning into a theme park, and it's just like a kind of like an ideal version of what Scotland looks like. But it's that version that sells to the. Tur- it's just so fascinating. It, yeah. I okay. Implore you should watch it. It's I shall. very very interesting.
1: I'll have a swatch. Yeah, that'd be interesting because I do. I obviously tourism is important in terms of. The money it Absolutely. brings us. But then, if people are not actually like able talking, to. And
0: we like talking about our land. Yes, Which is what we are yeah. doing right now.
1: Exactly. <laughs> but I suppose, more than anything, like this is our home. And it's a shame if there's other people whose home this is and they're not actually able to live in it easily because of everything that goes on yeah. like, tourism wise.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's very interesting. It's a whole side to the industry you don't actually think about.
1: Yeah. Sad. <laughs>
0: I said, but that is sad but that sounded like a delightful trip and again i say i'm very very jealous You, i recommend okay. it
1: highly you will see all the pictures on instagram
0: i'm so excited yeah. i can't wait
1: it's so nice
0: i cannot wait
1: um,
0: i hope there's pictures
1: of you two in there as well there is of course there is of course as always please pop along to our instagram and our facebook give us likes and follows there we post all of our corresponding photos up there every week and it just gives you a nice little visual to go along with the story along with our magic hat mondays where you can give your responses to our questions our we love a link wednesdays where we join links between different stories that we've told and of course fun fact friday where you will learn some kind of fun scottish fact
0: if you happen to have a question for the magical hat if you either email us or messages it over it will be written down on a little sheet of paper fold it up and go straight into the hat where it may feature on future episodes also if you happen to own an apple device if you could head on over to that little purple logo of apple podcasts and leave us a little review it would be much appreciated and helps us in the massive podcast algorithm of the world
1: and thank you for listening to a wee bit gothic
0: Was that gothic?
1: A wee bit. Situated in the Scottish Highlands are the majestic
0: mountains of Glencoe. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't say. Are you doing something?
1: It has finally happened. Has it finally happened? It's happened. Well, I do a whistle-stop tour of a lot of places <laughs> but we can make this work we can make it work because <laughs> my story mind i would say my story might be really long yes we could do i could start okay from the beginning of my road trip and then you could do the glencoe bit
0: i'm presuming we're talking about the same thing at glencoe yeah? The... yeah Yeah. yeah <laughs> yeah okay let's do um, that let's <laughs>
1: So I could start it, and then uh, and then you do Glencoe, and then I'll take over again because I've got a I've got a thing for after that Glencoe. That
0: sounds like an excellent plan. Let's do that.
1: And if Although, anything, I'm
0: so pleased it took to episode forty-five before this happened.
1: <laughs> I know. So. My dad is an artist It's kind of It's his job Can I help you? (laughs) Can you hear him?
0: I can Yeah
1: He's not in the same room as me right now
0: What is he doing?
1: Oh, he's come through now But he was just in the hallway screaming Why not? I'm still here Why are you screaming? What's up? Oh, is it?